You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going we're gonna to get into the, the message tonight. Tonight is 1 Corinthians 2, if you had turned there. Tonight's it's going to be a little different. Um, you know, I really did seek the Lord about what to preach, and, and uh, there are a lot of things you could preach in a service like this, um, and uh, this is what the Lord kept bringing me back to, and so we're going to do our best today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, once you find it, if you wouldn't mind going ahead and standing out of uh, respect of God's Word, honor the reading of God's Word here tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, in some ways this is kind of a... Um, a ministry philosophy text, um, and it's one that Brother Ruckman and I both share. Um, in other ways, it's an exhortation to Brother Ruckman tonight, um, but not because it's something I think he doesn't know already, but as his pastor and as his church, I think this conveys what we, the way that we would love to see them go to Africa. And the, the philosophy, I think, um, that really conveys the heart um, of true missions right here. And so I'm going to read these first five verses and then try to make sense of this tonight. If the Lord will help me. Verse, verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And here's the why, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I just want to preach tonight for a few moments, give you some thoughts here on the foundation for faith. The foundation for faith. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. When I was nine years old, um, in our backyard, and I li- we lived in Abilene, Texas at the time. My dad pastored a church there, and we had a backyard full of pecan trees, big pecan trees. And if you're from Georgia, you might say pecan, whatever it is. Pecan, that's how we said it growing up. In Texas, and they were kind of the bane of my existence because uh, my parents, my job was to take the five gallon buckets out to the backyard and pick up all the pecans that fell off the tree. Well, I tried to get back at the tree one time, so I tied a big rope in near the top of this pecan tree. Now, it may not have actually been near the top to a nine year old boy, it looked like it was at the very top. It may have been, you know, probably 15 to 20 feet off the ground. Climbed up into the tree, tied a rope there. And, uh, and then I would use it to swing because that's what boys do. And well, one day I was out there swinging with my, my friend. We were on the rope and taking turns swinging on this rope swing. And as I made a really good swing, I mean, Tarzan would have been envious of this swing. I, I came, I was probably about six feet off the ground, basically uh, parallel to the ground. And in that moment, the rope that I had tied in the tree, 
decided it no longer wanted to stay tied to the tree. So what felt like minutes of myself floating midair quickly turned into a flattened splat on the ground, about six feet of six feet drop. And I instinctively did what just about anybody will do in a situation like that. I put my arms out to stop myself from hitting the ground too hard. Now, if you can imagine then six feet off the ground or so, falling straight down, arms straight out, and yes, I broke both of my arms. So my friend was watching, his name was Jason too. I found out how good of a friend he was when I'm laying on the ground crying, and he ran through the back gate and just ran home. So, (laughs) thanks a lot, buddy. Left me sitting there crying. My parents came out, took me to the emergency room. I learned uh, the sneak-up approach to setting a bone that day and uh, a lot of good lessons. But the, the lesson I learned the most that day was your faith is only as strong as the object in which it's trusting. Your faith is only as strong as the object in which it's trusting. If the object of your faith is faulty, you're in trouble. And this is a lesson that Paul teaches the church at Corinth in chapter 2 here. And what's interesting is he starts this chapter by pointing out how he didn't come. He says, I didn't come in a certain way. First, he says, I didn't come trying to compel you with excellent speech. In verse 1, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech. One definition of excellency is superior. Another definition is authority. And whether it means superior verbal skills or speaking with authority, Paul refused to establish the faith of the church at Corinth with his words. He didn't want their trust in God to be dependent on his speaking ability. He didn't want their trust in God to be dependent on his authority. Paul wasn't a used car salesman, nor was he an an authoritarian. He didn't come that way. He also says, I came not to you so with excellency of speech, but I also didn't come to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom, he says. See, the Apostle Paul was a gifted thinker. As a Pharisee, he likely had the, much of the Old Testament memorized. And if you read what he wrote in the New Testament, you realize he quoted the Old Testament constantly, hundreds of times in his writing. And the fact that he can even write such large passages of rich doctrine in a readable and understandable way is further proof that Paul was an incredibly intelligent man. His ability to write and speak was impressive. If anyone could have leaned on their abilities to impress other people with the excellency of their speech or the excellency of their wisdom, it was the Apostle Paul. But that's not how he came. He also didn't come trying to convince them with persuasive preaching. Down in verse 4 he says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. You know, if anyone could have come and, and impressed people with their speech, it was Paul. We could go to the book of Acts, Acts 17, and we could read Paul's sermon to the Greeks uh, there on Mars Hill in in Athens. It's a great example uh, of his gift as a public speaker. 
He was obviously good at debate and he would go into the synagogues and reason with the people. He would go to the marketplaces and, and make convincing arguments to the point they, those exchanges must have been impressive because he ends up on Mars Hill and he gives a fine example of apologetics and, and he starts with God as creator and he takes them all the way through to the risen Jesus Christ who would one day be their judge. It's impressive. It, it's excellent. His ability to relate to those philosophers and understand what they're saying, where they're coming from, and then use their background as a transition into the gospel. It was masterful. But even with those abilities, Paul tells the Corinthians, he didn't come trusting his ability to preach. He didn't come trusting his ability to speak. He didn't come trusting his ability to reason or or approach doctrine with apologetics. Uh, He didn't come declaring his wisdom. So how did he come? Well, the end of verse 1 makes it clear. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, but I came, it's implied, I came declaring unto you the testimony of God. See, Paul came conveying the, the testimony of God rather than using his own words. See, Paul had a choice here. He could depend on his own words or he could rely on God's testimony, God's words. If this was a court case, you might say that Paul is saying that God is the key firsthand witness. His testimony carries more weight than my testimony. And that's what he's saying. So he refused to come to Corinth giving them his message. He came giving God's message. He also refused to trust his own wisdom. He chose rather to display the knowledge of Christ. Look at verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's a good verse, uh, ministry philosophy wise. That's a great verse there. Again, Paul had a choice. He could come to them promoting his own wisdom. He could come to, to them promoting knowledge of Paul. Or he could point them to the knowledge of Christ. He could have come preaching, get to know me, enjoy my personality, be drawn to me, attach yourself to me. And don't we see that in a lot of modern church cultures these days? It's about a a pastor's personality, come and be drawn to me, attach yourself to me, get to know me. He could have come saying, listen to how wise I am. I was a Pharisee. I know the scripture. Here's everything I know. In ancient Greece, where Corinth was located, it was known for lifting up wisdom and lifting up philosophy. They would have been drawn to Paul's wisdom. They would have been drawn to Paul's intellect. But he refused to lean on that. He came saying, it's not about what I know. It's about who I know. Paul knew the Corinthians needed Christ's wisdom much more than they needed his wisdom. He wanted the Corinthians' strongest relationship to be with Christ, not Paul. Paul could have chosen to walk into Corinth with great confidence. But instead, it says he came in with a spirit of humility. Verse 3, it says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. That doesn't sound like if you were to pick up a modern leadership philosophy book on the shelves of your local bookstore, you would not see that written there. Those are more like, be sure of yourself, have confidence, trust your instincts, don't take no for an answer, go get what you want. But Paul said, I came in weakness, I came in fear, and I came trembling. Is it because Paul was weak? I don't think so. 
You think he was actually really afraid of other people? I mean, you read the list of, of the things that he endured as a gospel witness, and you think there's probably nothing he's actually afraid of anymore. Do you think Paul actually lacked confidence? I doubt it, because if anybody had reason to have confidence, if you read Philippians 3, Paul had reason to have confidence. But that's not how he came. He came with a spirit of weakness and fear and trembling. He came with a spirit of humility, and coming that way allowed him to do something very important. In verse 4 again, it says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. See, demonstration of the spirit and power. Demonstration is to make something evident. And spirit, the third person, is capitalized. It's the third person of the Trinity. It's the Holy Spirit. And power, that word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, which is from where we get dynamite. So in verse 3, here, listen. In verse 3, Paul is talking about weakness. And now in verse 4, he's talking about God's power. And what I want you to see is he, he knew where true power came from. The only power to change lives and have victory over sin and victory over death comes from the Holy Spirit. So Paul made the deliberate choice to set aside anything that reflected Paul. His words, his speech, his wisdom, his preaching, his credentials, his confidence, his strength, whatever it was... He chose to set those things aside because he knew that unless he got out of the way, the Holy Spirit's power could not have free course. Do you get the idea that Paul didn't want to make his ministry about Paul? He didn't want to impress with speech. He didn't want to convince with wisdom. He didn't want to entice or persuade with preaching. He came in weakness and fear and trembling instead of strength. He came promoting the knowledge of Christ and making manifest the Holy Spirit and his power. That's what the text is saying. But why? Why did he? Well, it's very clear in verse 5. Here's why. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, Paul understood something about faith. He knew that faith could only be as strong as the object in which it trusts. And think about this. By that I mean, if the faith of the Corinthians was in Paul then their faith would only, would only be as strong as Paul. But Paul was as human as they were. I mean, Paul could get sick. Paul had his own physical weaknesses. Uh, he was a sinner. Uh, and one day he would die. But listen, every limitation that Paul had, God doesn't have. God never sins. God has all power. He never gets sick. He never sleeps. He can be in all places at once. And he's already proven that he has power even over death. So if Paul comes promoting himself and the Corinthians had latched themselves onto Paul, their faith would only be strong as the object in which they were trusting. And since Paul knew that, his, that, that, that would limit their faith, he came preaching God's message instead of his. He wanted to attach the Corinthians to God, not himself. He came promoting the knowledge of Christ because he wanted their strongest relationship to be with Jesus Christ, not Paul. He knew if, if they would value their relationship with him more than Christ, that that would limit their growth. He couldn't come close to doing for them what Christ could do for them. 
And since Paul desired their faith to stand in something permanent and lasting, he knew he couldn't come impressing them with wisdom and speech and preaching. He wanted them to be rooted in something strong and lasting. Human Paul has limits, but God does not. So Paul had to make a choice. Am I going to attach them to me or am I going to attach them to God? And he knew each philosophy had a certain end. Preaching with enticing words of man's wisdom leads to a faith established in man's wisdom. Man's wisdom is not only inferior in quality, it also will not endure. But God's testimony, encouraging the knowledge of Christ, having a heart of humility, demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit, that leads to faith established in God's power. Listen, faith is only a strong as its object of trust. A church built on a man's vocabulary will be shaky because his vocabulary has limits. A church built on a man's wisdom won't last because his wisdom has limits. A church built on a man's experience, and we have a man here tonight with experience, but a church built on experience will not last because your experience has limits. But a church built on God's word with demonstration of his spirit and power, that will stand the test of time. Paul was more interested in the long-term spiritual success of the people at Corinth than he was building his own kingdom because he knew he wouldn't be around forever. He couldn't supervise them or he couldn't hold their hands and the whole time they had to grow for themselves. They had to learn to walk with God on their own two spiritual feet and Paul knew that they would never do that unless their foundation was established on something bigger than the Apostle Paul. That's what the text is saying. And I want to illustrate it tonight. If I could have your boys come up here, Jimmy and Jesse and Micaiah. And I'll have my son come up here too, Jace, if you wouldn't mind. just want to illustrate this somehow. We'll just, if you, if you guys could, well, actually, let's just stand right over here. I don't, I'm, we're going to play this by ear. Okay. So I need, I need the biggest, strongest Ruckman boy to step forward. Okay. There, there could have been a wrestling match right then. I would have loved it. Okay, so... So we're going to say that Jimmy is the strongest. He definitely has the best beard. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to, we'll start with Jace. You're just going to have to do this, bud. So would you then just pick him up however, however you need to and just walk to the piano and back with him. Okay. However you need to do it. Jace, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Why do you look so uncomfortable, Jace? <laughs> okay. So that wasn't too hard. Jimmy can handle that. Okay, so let's then move up to the next person in size here. Let's see. (laughs) Micaiah. So now pick Micaiah up and do the same thing with Micaiah. However you need to. Why does that look easier than it was with Jace? Isn't that sweet? All right, so you know what's next, right? All right, so Jesse, let's see what you got here. <laughs> there you go. All the way down and back. No shortcuts. There you go. 
There you go. Excellent. Let's give Jimmy a big hand for that. Yeah. So I love it. And Tori's back there saying, oh, what a man. <laughs> so, I mean, one at a time, it's doable. It's hard, right? It gets harder. The, the, the bigger they are, the harder they are to carry. So with Jace, it's probably possible to walk around the room. It wouldn't be easy. After a while, it'd be hard. Um, with Micaiah, a little harder. With Jesse, really hard. Because the bigger they get, the harder they are to carry. But really, this is a picture of Paul's ministry philosophy. Because Paul was saying, um, if I have to carry the church at Corinth, if I have to be the one that carries them because their, their faith is built on me, I'll barely be able to make it across the platform and back. And if, if, if Jace was the first one, let's say, Jace, go ahead and pick him up again. If Jace is the first convert and Brother Ruckman goes to Africa and, and Jace is the first convert and Brother Ruckman's thinking, okay, I've got to attach this guy to me. But then he also, though, wins Micaiah. And he's got to carry him as well. Do you, do you, just, do you see the, the visual here? How this would fall apart pretty quickly? And then now if Jesse jumps on top, Jimmy's not going to make it more than a few steps, is he? So thank you guys. You can, you can I, I don't even know if that was necessary, but I just wanted to see it happen. So, <laughs> No, listen, this illustrates ministry philosophy. Here's why. Because Jimmy can't carry everybody. And Brother Ruckman, you can't carry everybody. That's why you've got to attach them to somebody bigger than yourself. Because Jesus can carry everybody. There's no limit to the number of people Jesus can carry around. Which makes it all the sillier for us to think that we win, we win somebody and we start to train them. If we attach them to ourselves, they'll be in good shape. They will not be. They need to be attached to something that lasts longer than me, that is stronger than me, that has more wisdom than me, that has more strength than me, that has more than I do because I am limited, but we serve a God who is not. So what's the application to tonight? Well, I think it's natural. Because Brother Ruckman is essentially, you've been called to essentially the same work as the Apostle Paul. You're leaving from here to take the gospel to, to Gentiles that have likely never heard it. And just like Paul, Brother Ruckman's a gifted person. I mean, it's okay to, uh, for us to understand that. He's a gifted man. God's used him to preach in many places and impact many people. And as a gifted person, Brother Ruckman could go to Africa and he could lean on enticing words. Uh, I've seen him preach a message just off the cuff. And, and I'm thinking, I wish, I mean, it takes me a week to, to even come close and it's still not that. He just, God has gifted him. And he could go and 
lean on enticing words and, and his wisdom and his Bible knowledge and his strong zeal and his leadership. But he'll tell you this too. If he's more interested in developing people spiritually for the long term, he better not go to Ghana and try to attach them to James Ruckman. Brother Ruckman, you could go and you could preach impressive messages and draw people to yourself. But if you want to help the people of Ghana grow and walk on their own two spiritual feet, determined not to minister except with God's word and in God's wisdom and in demonstration of the power of God's spirit. Anything less is a shaky foundation. Because James Ruckman is great, but he's limited. And as great as his preaching is, and as wise as he is, and as zealous as he is, and as positive as he is, the only thing I've ever heard him pray for negatively is a COVID test. As wise as he is, as sweet and helpful and amazing as Miss Angie is, probably just as good of a preacher. I mean, you know, as much as we appreciate them, they make for a pretty shaky foundation compared to Jesus. My message tonight is this. It's simply, what we build will only last as long as its foundation. What we build will only last as long as its foundation. What you build will only last as long as its foundation. And if you go to Africa and you establish people on your strengths, and it'll be great for a while, but it'll only last as long as you. And so you must attach them to something stronger and longer lasting. So my exhortation to you is stick with what provides the strongest foundation. God's word, God's word, uh, wisdom, and God's spirit. Just picture the illustration again. And imagine Brother Ruckman winning a man to the Lord. And then putting that man on his back and carrying him around. And now imagine Miss Angie... Uh, winning a, uh, a, a lady to the Lord, a Ghanaian lady to the Lord and putting her on her back. Now imagine a second person won to the Lord and, and each of them picks them up too. They'd only last as long. They would only last so long. But now imagine them winning that first person and then teaching them to walk on their own. So maybe for a while they carry... They carry them, but after a short while, they teach them to walk on their own, and now they're walking together. Brother Ruckman and the person that he's won and taught to walk on their own, Miss Angie, the person she's won and taught to walk on their own. And then they go together, and they each find another one. And now each of them are carrying, now there's four. There's four being carried. And they're walking around for just a short time because then they teach the person they're carrying to walk on their own two spiritual feet. And now it multiplies and you've got eight. Well, now there's eight being carried and 16 and 32 and 64 and 128 and 256 and 512. I'm, I'm good at math here. No, but listen, that's how, that's how God reaches a village. When a man goes to a place like Ghana, and says, it's not about me. I'm going to attach them to Jesus because he can carry everybody. And as we teach them, as they teach them to walk on their own two spiritual feet, then they're able to go and win someone and train them and see disciples built and, and made out the right way 
on a foundation that lasts longer than we do. It's how God changes the world. It's how God used Paul to make a difference. It's how God will use the Ruckmans to make a difference in Eastside. Unless we think that we're here and this is not for us. No, that's how God is going to use Eastside to make a difference. It's how God was going to use Church at Elk Point to make a difference. It's how God's going to use Falls International to make a difference. It's how God's going to use Church on the West Side, Brother Pinnell, to make a difference. So we determine we're not going to come with excellency of speech. We're not going to come with excellency of wisdom. We're not going to try to set trends. And we're not going to try to impress everybody with the latest stuff. You know, the day we transition from God's word and God's wisdom and God's spirit to enticing words and the latest programs and the trendiest services. And we lean on those things to start establishing disciples. We are building faith on foundations that will not last. Eastside, what we expect from the Ruckman's should and could be happening right here as well. But you know what it's going to take? A church full of people who are walking on their own two spiritual feet. And if we're at a place when we don't have a strong faith, established on God's word and wisdom and and spirit's power, how could we expect to help others be one and establish themselves? Listen, the modern church culture is trying to convince us it's not the way it works anymore. You know, there's an effort to use enticements. Smoke and mirrors and graphics and ideas outside the box and anything to manufacture. And listen, those things aren't all wrong. I'm not even speaking about every one of those things. I'm saying, though, if you are leaning on those things or depending on those things to make disciples, those disciples will only last as long as you do. Building people that last beyond us will only happen through the foundation of God's word in his spirit, and his wisdom. So to the Ruckmans tonight, my challenge, my exhortation is go to Ghana and set it on spiritual fire. But don't rely on your personality to do it. And don't assume your experience is what you need. And don't depend on impressive speech. Don't assume that that your years in ministry are going to make it happen. No, if you go to see God or reach with the gospel, if you want to see him last beyond you, you can't rely on resources as limited as you. Just like Paul, go to that which has no limit. The unlimited power of God's word, the inexhaustible well of God's wisdom, and the never-ending outpouring of the Holy Spirit's power. Listen, I, I, I'm telling Brother Ruckman thinks that he knows But as representatives of our church, that's the philosophy we think he should carry out. But we're not above it either, Eastside. It's the philosophy we should be operating with right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, too. And I'm telling you, if we will all have in our minds, it's not about me, it's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. We will build something that lasts beyond us. Let's head every every head head bowed, every eye closed, please. And we're going to have a verse of invitation tonight. Let's stand together. And we'll have an invitation here. If the Lord's speaking to you tonight, why don't you take a moment to respond this evening. And then in just a moment, we'll have our, our, our official prayer time as well. But let's just ask the Lord to help us to keep our thoughts and, and our our philosophy and 
what we depend on to make disciples, let's just pray that the Lord helps us to keep that right. Because as soon as we transition to enticements, we will no longer be building disciples that last beyond us. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.